The following message is brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church and Pastor Joshua Ermler. Gospel of Matthew chapter number 7 is where we're going to be at for our scripture reading this morning. Gospel of Matthew chapter number 7. Please stand with me, if you would, as we prepare to read the Word of God this morning. We are continuing our message series called 40 Days in the Word. And we've been looking at how the Word of God is powerful. And a few weeks ago, Pastor kicked off the series really setting the theme for the uh, series, which was the Word of God changes lives. And we saw how God's Word is powerful and it can change us. Then we saw how the Word of God was reliable and how our faith is an informed faith. And then we saw how the Word of God is helpful and how we can be helped by the Word of God when we spend time in it. And this morning, in just a moment, pastor's going to come and preach a message, God's Word is Stable. This morning, we're going to be in Matthew 7, verses number 24 through 27. The Bible says, Therefore... Whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man, which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And every one that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man, which built his house upon the sand. And the rains descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon the house, and it fell. And great was the fall of of it. Let's pray. Then pastor's going to come and preach a message. God's word is stable. So this year, our children recently changed their school schedule. They go to Valley Prep, and, and this year they decided rather than doing an entire summer of vacation that the school would do uh, two months on and then one month off, and then two months on, one month off, and get the vacation throughout the school year. And uh, I don't know, any of your kids have a schedule that's similar to that, or is it just my kids? I know a couple of you uh, have that year-around type schedule. And so we're currently in that season in our family where our kids are home for the month. Yay! All right. And uh, we're super excited about that. But uh, it's getting toward the end of that month. And my wife was like, we've got to do something with the kids. You know, they're bouncing off the walls. And so uh, some of the staff from the church with kids, uh, we decided that we were going to go to the beach on our day off Wednesday. And uh, so we took our families and we headed down uh, to Avila Beach. How many of you have been to Pismo or Avila before? You know what I'm talking about. And so we headed down there. And, and something that you may not know about about me is I, I have a particular phobia, and I don't know what the official word for it is, but I have a phobia of sunburning, all right? How many of you have that phobia? You don't like to get sunburned, and I'm actually probably a little bit obsessive about it. Um, I will put on a couple layers of uh, just sunscreen because I don't want to get burnt. Uh, a few years ago, I forgot to put on sunscreen, and it was the most miserable few days of my life. I was just burnt, and I burn very easily. I don't know what it is. I have friends, and they'll spend, you know, it seems like years out in the sun, and they'll hardly get a tan. And I, I feel like I walk out, and within a couple moments, I'm just like, like red like a lobster. Anybody, you're like that. You're just very sensitive to the sun. And so I'll put on sunscreen, literally, I'll just douse myself in it, and it gets pretty bad. I'll, I'll spray some on, and then I wipe it on, and I just, I do do not want to get a sunburn. And, and in fact, it got so bad on, on Wednesday, I had it all over uh, uh, my face. And as we were driving home from Avila Beach, uh, the sweat throughout the day and the sand had started to get the sunscreen going into my eyes. And my eyes started watering real bad and I couldn't see. And we're driving down the 41, you know, kind of toward uh, Tulare or wherever, Hanford, back in there somewhere on the 41 between Avila Beach and here. And it, my eyes started to get so watery and that burning, I literally couldn't 
couldn't even see anymore. And finally, I was like, honey, I- I'm, tr- I'm trying to drive, but I can't see anymore. I've got to pull over. You're going to have to drive. I, I, can't, even, I can't even see. And, and, and she's like, man, why, that's because you put so much sunscreen on. I said, I think being blind is actually better uh, than being sunburned. You know, that's just how I feel about it. I realize that's, that's not reality, you know, but that, that's how I was feeling. And I just, I, I doused myself in all kinds of, of sunscreen. And, and so we were there at the beach, and I got my sunscreen on. I sprayed sunscreen on. I put long sleeves. I did everything I could just to kind of make sure you're all set, you know. And then I got this big umbrella, you know, the big colorful umbrella uh, with the sharp end that you, you push down into the sand. You know, how many of you know which one I'm talking about? You, you push that thing down. And so I stabbed it in the stand, sand. I got under onto my seat, and there I was. I was like, I'm good, all right? I'm under my umbrella. I've got two layers of sunscreen. I am not going to get burnt today. And so we were there, and we were chatting with some friends, and we were talking back and forth when all of a sudden a gust of wind came from the beach and just took our took that umbrella that was over me and shot it straight up into the air and kind of flipped upside down and landed a few feet away from me uh, upside down just kind of on the beach how many how many of you ever been here you know your, your umbrella starts flying away and so I do one of these kind of nonchalantly I kind of get up and I start walking toward the umbrella and as soon as I go down to reach for it the wind goes and it flips again and so then I start running, you know, kind of get a little faster, and, and it flips again. And now it's starting to get a little weird and awkward because it feels like every time I start stepping toward it, the wind blows it a little further. And uh, so I'm starting to run toward it. And how many of you, when you're trying to run, how many of you recognize when you're trying to run in the sand, it, it gets a little awkward. It just looks weird, you know, because you're trying to get some traction. And it felt like the faster I was running, the farther the wind was just carrying this umbrella around. And in the d- background, all I could hear was the rest of the staff just laughing at me. They just thought it was the most hilarious thing you know, and they're, I'm like, what in the world? And I, now I'm running full speed and this umbrella is just tumbling down the beach and I'm running it as fast as I possibly can. And somebody yells out, the umbrella's going to hit that couple over there. And sure enough, the umbrella's kind of making its way toward this couple that's just, you know, they're sleeping on the beach. And I thought, oh no, here this umbrella with the pointed end is going to stab them and pale them, you know, in the middle of their beach now. And it kind of flips right over their feet. I, I didn't know what to do. I kind of jumped over their feet. And in the moment, I'm like, ah, excuse me. I didn't know what to say to him, you know, I'm just trying to catch my umbrella. Finally, I catch it, and when I turn around, there's Alan. He works with our video stuff. He's got his cell phone out, and he's just kind of doing one of these deals, but I am happy to announce that I got the umbrella. You guys, I think we got that picture up here, and uh, so we were good, and I got it. It was a good day, but what I learned from that experience is is sand doesn't make a very secure and firm foundation. When I, when I put that umbrella into the sand, the reality is it wasn't, it wasn't secure. It, it wasn't a good foundation to place that in. If I wanted to do something, I could have gotten some rocks or some cement, and that would have that kept it there for good. Sand doesn't make for a very good foundation. It's not stable. It's not secure. And that's a little bit of the metaphor that we find in our passage today. You see, Jesus Christ is getting done with the, with the Sermon on the Mount. And when he's done, he tells this story. He uses a metaphor to talk about what we're going to build our lives on. And he talks about one man who builds his life on the foundation of sand and another who builds his life on the foundation of the rock. And and what this passage teaches us is those who place their lives and build their lives on the foundation of the sand, that's not very secure. That's not going to be very stable. But those that build their lives on the rock, there's a stability that goes along with that. And we're going to unpack what this metaphor, what this narrative is all about here today. Here's our theme for this morning. You and I, 
can confidently build our lives on the principles and promises of the Word of God. I'm going to say it one more time. You and I can confidently build our lives on the principles and the promises of the Word of God. So as I said a moment ago in these three chapters, Matthew 4, 5, 6, and 7, Jesus is giving the Sermon on the Mount, and he ends this entire sermon with saying this. He says, there was two men. They build house. One built their house on the sand, and all of a sudden it was unstable. The other man, he built his life. He built his life on, built his house on a rock, and it was firm. The storms came. The one who built his house on a rock, that house was sustained. It survived. The one that built his house on the sand, that house got blown over and got torn apart. And so he uses this as a, as a metaphor for how we build our lives. And what are we building our lives on? So this morning, we're going to take a closer look at each of these men and what they represent in this passage and what these houses represent. So we're going to start this by looking at the similarities of these two men and their two houses. You're going to see some similarities in verses number 24 and also in verses number 26, all right? Uh, Notice what the Bible says in verse 24. Therefore, because of everything I've taught at the Sermon on the Mount, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine, wait a second, that's similar to what you're going to see in verse 26, and everyone that heareth these sayings of mine, you see a similarity between those two, notice verse back to 24, and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man, notice this, which built his house. You're going to see that phrase in verse 26 on on the other man. Notice what it says at the end of verse 26. Which built his house upon the sand. There are several similarities between what Jesus referred to as a wise person and what he referred to as a foolish person or what we might say is a spiritual success and what we might call a spiritual failure, which leads us to our first thought this morning, and that is this. On the surface, if we were just looking at the externals, if we were just looking at at what was above the foundation, spiritually successful people don't always appear all that different than spiritual failures. I could flip it around and say it the other way. On the surface, above the foundation, a spiritual failure or a spiritual fool, as Jesus refers to him as, doesn't appear all that different than a spiritual success. There's a lot of similarities. And in fact, on the surface, if you and I were to look at these individuals, we would stand back and say, man, there's a lot of similarities. Let me share with you some of the similarities, all right, over the next few moments. Why? Because just because something appears to be the same doesn't mean that it actually is the same. So much, of the Christian, so much of Christianity has to do with the heart. Over and over and over again, you'll see where the scriptures point to the heart, point to below the foundation, because what's, what's below the foundation, what's in the heart, has such massive implications on what actually happens in a person's life. Uh, some of you may know uh, that my wife's older sisters, uh, Jackie and Mindy, 
are identical twins. I know they've been here before. Maybe a few of you have met them. And I'm telling you what, like for years, I had a hard time telling them the part. They weren't just twins. Uh, they were like identical twins. And so it was, always, it was always really nice whenever one of them would cut their hair a little bit different because that's honestly about the only way I could tell the two of them apart. I just had this, the hardest time. And even to this day, I have to be careful because I might accidentally call one by the wrong name. They just look so, so similar. In fact, uh, uh, they did... They just, they, they did so much together. I mean, they went to college together, grew up together. Uh, they even did one of these double weddings. They both got married on the same day in the same building. They did a double wedding together. I think I got a picture uh, of their wedding here. And so they, the two of them married best friends, Jeff and Andrew, who went to college together. And sure enough, they had their wedding together, all right? It was just kind of uh, who they were, but they're, they're, sometimes they can be a little bit of uh, pranksters. How many of you ever watched that movie, A Parent Trap, the movie about the two twins, and they would kind of pull little pranks on each other and, and uh, uh, on people around them? Well, uh, Jackie and Mindy would do that every once in a while to Jeff and Andrew, and uh, every once in a while they would do just kind of weird things just to kind of mess with their heads a little bit. I, they, they would call each other up and pretend they were the other person, you know, when they were still dating and things like that, and and just kind of stir up gossip and weird things, just kind of having fun and, and good times like that. And on one particular occasion, uh, the four of them decided to go to the mall. And so there was uh, Jeff, who's on the far end here, and Andrews, who's on uh, this side over here on the left side. And then uh, Jackie and Mindy, uh, they're in the middle. And so the, the four of them are walking along through the mall. And Jeff, who's down further, he, he kind of got ahead of them a little bit. And so uh, the three of them were behind and Jeff kind of walking along here and so as the three of them were behind they, they decided to pull a little prank a little bit and so uh, Mindy says to Jackie hey go put your arm around him and see what he does you know and so Jeff's walking along you know doing his thing and uh, Jackie comes along who's uh, not his wife and, and she walks next to him and puts puts her arm around him and they're just walking through the wall just like this you know and Jeff's totally clueless, you know, he's just walking along, you know, nothing, and, and then he's like, you know, he, and then all of a sudden he decided he's just going to give his wife a little kiss, and he, he leans over and goes to kiss her, and when he looks her in the eyes, he's like, wait a second, this is my wife, and he just scared him to death, you know, they started laughing, they thought it was the funniest thing in the world, you know, because wh- why, why do I bring that up? Because just because something appears the same, how many of you realize, doesn't make it the same, all right? In the Christian life, we have to be very discerning. Because what God calls wise and what God calls foolish to our physical eyes often appears somewhat similar. It appears the same. Let me share with you some of the similarities I see here. Uh, in verse number 24, it says, it says here that both of these men, it says here in verse number 24, built his house. Both of them built a house. I want you to see the first similarity. Both of them had a strong work ethic. It wasn't like the wise man was over here building his house and the the foolish man was being lazy and apathetic and didn't care about his house. No, both of them were diligent. Both of them were hardworking. Both of them were willing to put in the labor in order to build something that would last and build something that would matter. In fact, on the surface, the spiritual failure, the fool, looked to be doing the exact same thing that the spiritual successful person was doing. They both had a strong work ethic. They were both spending time sawing the wood and hammering the nails and building the house. They were, they were hardworking. They were both diligent. 
They both had a passion for what they were doing. You see, in much the same way, there are people in our world, and even though they are unbelievers, and even though they might be unsaved and not Christians, there are people, and just like you want to, you, you're putting work into your career, and you're, you're trying to build a good life for your family and for your kids, do you realize that there are, there are unsaved people that are also hardworking, trying to build a life for themselves? Trying to raise kids that'll, you know, uh, grow up to be, you know, civically minded. The reality is on the surface, man, these both, the wise and the foolish, they were working hard at it. Can I say this? You working hard at something is not what makes you wise and a spiritual success. Both the wise and the foolish were both hardworking. Both of them labored at this thing. Both of them were sacrificing to, to build something. These, these were both hardworking people. So just because you're working hard doesn't mean that somehow I'm a spiritual success because I I work hard. No, both the wise and the foolish do that. The wise and the foolish man were both trying to build their lives, build their futures, build their families, build their children, build their marriages. Both the wise and the foolish were laboring at this thing. That's not what made one wise and one foolish. They, they both had a strong work ethic. Notice secondly here, both had the same desires. Both of them wanted to build a dwelling place that was safe and comfortable and secure for their families. They both had the same desires. Both the wise man wanted to build a home that was safe and secure. The foolish man also had the desire to build a place that was safe and secure. They had the same desires. In much the same way, there are people in our world, and they have desires just like you have desires. They, they want to build a, a, a relationships that are strong and healthy. They, they want to develop children that, you know, are good citizens. They have the same desires you have. And just because you have those desires doesn't necessarily make you spiritually wise or a spiritual success. That's not what separates the two. It's your loftier desires or noble desires. Unsaved people have some of those same desires. Unwise, some, what, what, what the Bible calls even some foolish people want to live a life that matters and has purpose. That's, that's not what separates the two what God calls wise and what God calls foolish. They both had strong work ethics. Just because you have a strong work ethic doesn't make you more spiritually wise. They both had the same desires. Notice this. They both built similar structures on the surface. Nowhere in the scriptures does it say the spiritual wise man, his structure was so much more strong and powerful and well-built. No, in fact, on the surface, above the foundation, there is no difference that is mentioned. They were similar structures. And in much the same way, the reality is there are wise people and there are foolish people. And on the surface, what they're building with their lives appears to be similar. The structures they're building, the marriages they're building, the families they're building, in certain areas it looks like, oh, it's the same. There's similarities. Notice this. Notice what the Bible says in verse number 25. It says, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, verse 24, I will liken him unto a wise man. See that phrase? 
whoso heareth these sayings of mine. Notice verse 26, it says this, and everyone that <clears throat> heareth these sayings of mine, verse 26, and doeth them not, he shall be likened unto a foolish man. Notice another similarity. They both had the same information. Do you see here that both the wise individual and the foolish individual, they had the exact same information? We, we could say it this way. They both had the same blueprints. They both had the same plans. You say, what does that tell me? That tells me that both a wise and foolish person can sit in a church and hear God's word being taught. Both of them can do Bible studies together. Both of them can get spiritual information. Both the wise and the foolish will listen to preaching and and, and spend time in the Word. That in and of itself is not what differentiates a wise Christian from a foolish one. In fact, it might be in a service like ours, in a church like ours, it may be that there's some here and you're receiving information, you're hearing information, and you could be wise, but you could also be sitting here and being foolish because what separates the wise and the foolish, what separates the success from the failure is not the information they have access to. Both of these men had the same information. They went to the same Bible studies. They maybe went to the same church. They read the same Bible. They had all the same information. They read the same books. It wasn't that one had better information than the other. That is not what separated the two. They were similar. Can can I remind you of this today? That the primary goal of the Bible is not merely enlightened minds. I don't know where this happened, but somewhere along the lines... Christianity became an intellectual institution. That it's all about what you know. Knowledge is important, but it is not the end all. The primary goal of the Bible is not merely enlightened minds, but rather it is a transformed life. You say, what is the Bible all about? Is it so I can learn more information and get more knowledge and and know more stuff so the next time we play Bible trivia, I'm the winner? Is that what the goal of the Bible is at? No. The goal of the Bible is a transformed life. And as we see in this passage, the life that is underneath the surface. That is having transformed values transformed motivations, transformed belief systems, transformed worldviews, transformed identities, transformed priorities, transformed passions, transformed convictions, the part of you that maybe nobody else can see, the part of you that lies underneath the surface. You see, that's what the Bible wants to change. That's what God wants to change. He wants you to have values and motivations and priorities that are different than the foolish and the unsuccessful. He wants you to have a passion for things that are found in the Word. He, he wants you to have, be motivated by the things that, that stir the heart of God. Because the goal of the Bible is not just simply a transformed mind, but rather a transformed life. James chapter number 1 tells us, Be ye doers of the Word, and not hearers only. Be doers of the word, not hearers only. See, the wise and the foolish, they both heard. They both maybe went to church. They both maybe did Bible studies. In fact, both of them here listened to the word of Jesus. That's exactly what this passage says. Both of them heard the words of Jesus. 
information, going to church, hearing the word is not what separates the wise from the foolish. It says, be doers of the word, not hearers only. Why? Deceiving your own selves. Now, this might sound harsh, but it's a reality. You and I are masters of self-deception. We have an innate ability to literally deceive ourselves into thinking anything our flesh wants to believe. We're masters of self-illusion. That's why the Bible says the heart's deceitful above all things. Who can know it? You, my friend, are a master of self-illusion, and I am as well. I can, my mind can make myself believe anything I want, and so can yours. We're being deceived. How do we get deceived? When we hear the word, and we think that's enough. When we know the word, and we think we've arrived. (laughs) If that's the case, you're being deceived. You're a master of self-deception. And you're believing an illusion. That's why God says, no, be a doer. Allow God's word to change your priorities. Allow him to change your values. Allow him to change your identity. Allow him to change your passions and your convictions. Allow him to change you from the inside out. You say, how are they similar? Both worked hard at it. They're building their lives, working hard at building a life, building a future, building a family, building a marriage. That's not what separated the two. They were both working hard at this thing. Both of them had the same desires. That's not what separated them. They both wanted to build a life that was secure and safe and comfortable, both the wise and the foolish, both the success and the failure. They both built similar structures structures on the on the outside and on the appearances it both kind of look the same you might be sitting here and somebody across the room might be sitting here and your lives look similar on the surface because you're building in ways that appear to be the same but underneath the surface your values your motivations your priorities your identity your conviction your passion your affections are not at all in line with the scriptures And God says that's what makes you a fool. Even though your life looks like a good church life. You see, there was very similarities. They had the same information. But I want to say lastly here, when we're talking about similarities, notice verse number 25. And the rains descended and the floods came and the winds Blue, this is talking about the wise men's house. Notice verse 27. And the rains descended. This is speaking of the foolish man's house. And the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house. Here's another, here's, here's the last similarity we're going to point out. Both the wise and the foolish experienced the storms. Both. See, I don't know, somewhere along the lines, Christians started to get this idea. Well, if I'm a Christian... If I go to church and I say I believe in Jesus and I pray every once in a while, then God owes me and, 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 and God shouldn't allow any bad stuff to happen to me. Right? 
I mean, after all, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm living the way I'm supposed to be living. God owes me. And I'm going to say this. Nowhere in the scriptures does God promise that if you will put your faith and trust in him, he will deliver you from every storm and every trial and every difficulty. It is not a promise that's written to you in the scriptures. The Bible says it rains on the just and on the unjust. There are storms for the wise and there are storms for the fools. There are difficulties for the spiritually successful and there will be difficulties for the spiritual failure. The reality is this. When you put your faith and trust in Christ and become a Christian, that does not exempt you from pain and problems and hurt. You live in a broken world. You live amongst unhealthy, broken people, and there will be seasons where life will hurt, even if you're a Christian. Both experienced the storm. And somebody might say, then, well, well, pastor, then why be a Christian? I mean, if if God's not going to deliver me from the storms... If he's not going to make my life any better. If I'm still going to have pains and problems and trials and difficulties. What's the point of Christianity? What's the point of church? Why, why even do any of this? And here's why. For the believer, while God won't deliver you from the storm... He will always deliver you through the storm. Notice what the scriptures say. He says in verse number 25, And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house. Notice this. But it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. If you're a believer and a Christian, your marriage will still have problems. But God gives you the promise that it doesn't have to fall apart. You'll still have trials at work. You, you still might get a, a, a bad health report from a doctor. You might still go through financial difficulties. But here's the difference. Your God will sustain you. You see, the person that built their life on the sand... Trials come along and difficulties come along and trials come along and it'll destroy them. It will literally destroy them. It'll rock them to their core and destroy them. But God says what you have is the promise that while it will beat against you and while it will hurt and while it may be painful, it doesn't have to destroy you. This leads us to our final thought this morning. We saw first of all that on the surface... Spiritual failures don't always appear all that different than spiritual successes. On the surface, above the foundation, it's, it's sometimes even hard to discern. When you go to a church, you can look around and it looks like everybody's, you know, trying to love Jesus and build their lives in a proper way. And, and on the surface, in a, in a group like this, it might be hard to tell the difference. But the difference doesn't lie in what's above the surface, but rather it lies in what's below the surface. See, there are people here, and you've been coming to church for decades or more, but your heart is no different than it ever was before. You've been in church every Sunday, you go to Bible study, but you still value the same things that your unsaved coworkers value. You prioritize the same things as 
you know, your relatives that don't love Jesus. Your identity, you see yourself for what the world says that you are, not for who Christ declares you to be. And underneath the surface, other than the fact that maybe you claim Jesus on a soul level, you're not much different than anybody else in the world. And so here we see our second point, what what makes the difference? If if there's so many similarities, what actually makes us different? And what you're going to see in this passage is this, notice, verse 25, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them. Verse 26, the, the Bible says, and everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened to a foolish man which built his house upon a sand. Here's the last point, spiritual successful people. Wise Christians simply prioritize obedience to God's word. That's what makes the difference. Not that they necessarily work harder at it. Not that their desire to build a safe, comfortable, secure life is any different or more noble than somebody else's. Here's here's what's the difference. They simply prioritize obedience to God's word above all else. The difference is not even that they go to church and hear the word. Both, both of them are doing that. It's that they prioritize obedience to God's word. You say, why? Isaiah 34 verse 16 says this, Seek ye out of the book of the Lord, why? And read, no one of these shall fail. Isaiah chapter number 34 and verse number 16. What? No one of these shall fail. Build your life on the principles and promises of the word of God. Why? Because none of them will fail. I hate to remind you, but in this broken, sinful world that we live in, it might be that there comes a time where somebody that you love and somebody that you're close to will fail you. Some of you have had parents that have failed you. Others of you have had spouses that have failed you. Some of you have had children, and for a season, they failed you. Others of you have had bosses that have failed you. Some of you have had church members and church family that has failed you. Some of you have had pastors that have failed you. And I'm going to say this, pastors will fail you, and spouses may fail you, and friends may fail you. But God's word will never fail you. None of these shall fail. And when everything around you is crumbling, and when everything around you fails you, God's word never fails. You see, my friend, what you do with the Bible often determines what God will do with you. Do you just read the Bible for information or do you build your life on it? Do you take the principles from the word of God and do you take those principles and build your life on it? Do you take the promises of the Bible and anchor your soul to what it says and by faith live in response to those promises? Do you build your life on the person, the principles, and the promises of the word of God? Because that will never fail you. How many of you are familiar with the Leaning Tower of Pisa? You know what I'm talking about when I talk about the Leaning Tower of Pisa? Scientists have traveled there every year to measure the building's slow descent 
And year after year, they see, okay, how's it going? And they report that the 179-foot tower, which was built, get this, in 1173, all right? Long, long time ago. It moved about 1 20th of an inch a year. That doesn't sound like very much. 1 20th of an inch every year. Start leaning. In fact, they got to a place where it was about to fall. At, At its worst, it plumbed about... 17 feet off course. I mean, I'll just say this. If it were me there, there would be one side I would be standing on. There would be another side I would not stand on, all right? It's 844 years old, and finally, they did some renovations that might have saved the tower and prevent it from uh, collapsing completely. It's interesting to me that the word Pisa literally means marshy land. <laughs> the land it's built on is marshy. That right there might have been a clue. <laughs> you know. But what do I know? I'm no architect. Also, another issue is they built this almost 200-foot building, and they only dig, dug the foundation 10 foot deep. <laughs> the reason the leaning tower of Pisa is leaning is because it's built on a bad foundation. In this passage, there are two types of foundations that's talked about. The foundation of sand and the foundation of the rock. And Jesus says the foundation of sand represents the ever-changing philosophies of this world. That's what the sand represents. It's ever-changing philosophies. How many of you recognize you read a book from 100 years ago and it tells you to raise your kids this way? And then 50 years ago it tells you how to raise them that way? And then Dr. Spock came along and said, raise your kids this way. And then, you know, whoever was, Oprah came along and said, build it this way. And these ever-changing philosophies, they just always change, ever-changing philosophies about, you know, how to build your life. And, and they, they used to say, this is, this is what you should do for your health. How many of you remember, like 30 years ago, what you were supposed to do for your health? And now, what you're supposed to do for your health now, all right? And, and those of you who've been around for a while, you're like, you're confused. You know, is fat good? Is fat bad? What is it? I'm confused. I don't know. It's ever-changing, you know? It's this, and then it's that, you know? And the philosophies of life are just changing here and changing there. And, and, and what we're supposed to do in marriage, maybe it's this, and maybe it's that. It's ever-changing. And, and, and Jesus says that's, that, that's sand. It's the ever-changing philosophies of life. The rock represents the never-changing philosophy of God's Word. It's rock, stable, secure. Its principles and precepts and promises can be built upon. Stable. What are you building your life on? Matthew chapter number 16, verse 18 Jesus said, thou art Peter, but upon this rock, he was speaking of himself, upon this rock I will build my church. The rock that you can build your life on is the rock of Jesus Christ. You can build your life on his person. You can build your life on his principles. You can build your life on his promises, and he will never fail. You said, but he did. He allowed a storm to come into my life. (laughs) Storms come. Allowing a storm into your life was not God failing you. He'll sustain. Every one of you in this room, you're building your life on something. Every day you attach boards, you drive nails, you add on rooms, you try to improve your house. 
Regardless of what you do to the house you're building, what matters the most is its foundation. Every day you're building your life. Every day you're trying to learn. Every day you're doing the best for your kids and for your grandkids and for your marriage and for your future and for your finances. I believe all of you have a desire to work hard building your life. All of you have a lot of the same information you have access to. A lot of you have the same uh, structure that's somewhat being built. But the real question is, what is happening underneath the surface? What do you prioritize? What do you value? What is the affections of your heart? And are those things firmly rooted on the person of Jesus? His promises, his principles, his precepts. Why? Because then we have a great promise. Notice verse number 25. Because when the rains descend and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house that was built on the rock, The Bible says it fell not. Your marriage might go through some rough patches. And your kids might go through some rough patches. And your future and your finances, your health. But God's word won't fail. But what happens to the foolish, unwise? When the rains descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house, it fell And great was the fall of it. I don't want anybody in this room to have a marriage that falls apart. That that the the and great is the fall of it. I don't want to see you have to build your family. And then see your family fall apart at the seams because great was the fall of it. You say, but I'm working really hard at building a good family and I have noble intentions and and I'm trying, I'm going to church and we're hearing what the Bible has to say. That's not what separates the wise from the foolish. What are you doing with what you're hearing? Everybody's building. The question is, what are you building it on? When you build your life on the person, principles, and promises of God's word, you can have confidence that God will sustain you even in the midst of storms and even in the midst of trials and even in the midst of problems and pains. You can have the confidence that you will get through the storms by God's grace and God's power. Why? Because God's word is stable. It's stable. I want to encourage you to come back next week. We've spent some time looking at how God's word is powerful, how it changes lives. We've looked at how God's word is reliable, how you can trust it scientifically, archaeologically, historically reliable. We've looked at how it's even helpful and how we can actually be helped from what we see in these pages. Today, we looked at the fact that God's word is stable, that when you build your life on it, you can have confidence in what it shares and what it says. Next week, I want you to come back and we're going to spend some time talking about the fact that God's word is actually understandable. 
Because there's a lot of people that are like, I'm confused. I open up the Bible, I have no clue what it has to say. I mean, I come to church and I, I understand it a little bit more, but what, what, is, what is this thing even talking about and half of it? I, I'm co- totally confused. Come back next week and we're going to help you learn how the Word of God is understandable and how you can understand it for yourself. Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church. If this message was a blessing to you, please consider leaving us a review or sharing the message on social media. Thanks once again for tuning in.